Roots, I guess it was about ten years ago. It was it was after after shooting that one really famous scene in Lost in Translation, and it was just me. Uh, the game show scene, right? Mm-hmm. The game show scene, yes, where where the yellow man shows up, and he. Uh, it's been a long time, but anyways, me, Bill Murr. That's what I call Bill Murray, mm-hmm. and uh, Scar Joe. That's that's what I call Scarlett Johansson. Do you have a Do you have a nickname in showbiz? Um, no, like Koe. I'm I'm just I'm just the guy that makes everything happen, so I'm not oh, okay. in the show business. But anyway, so we're we're sitting there, we're talking, we're we're eating our okonomiyaki, and uh, and Bill Murray and I we just made eye contact, and we realized that we had the same exact idea in our head. Mm-hmm. We locked eyes, and then at the same time we turned and looked at ScarJo. And we said, you would be perfect in Ghost in the Shell. Wow. And she, she was quiet for a couple seconds. Then she nodded her head yes. And, and we all knew that one day Scarlett Johansson would be in a, in a uh, Ghost in the Shell movie. Yeah. The, what? Rest, the rest is history. It's perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I know there's some controversy about it, but, you know, it's... This is a long time coming, and if you have anyone that you want to blame, please blame Bill Murray. Right. So, he had the idea first. Mm-hmm. Send all your emails to Bill Murr at, at BillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBillBill
Um, and it will only be for two weeks instead of, you know, the three months or whatever the class is. But uh, there are some ways to make this trip so that you can actually uh, learn a lot more, I think, than if you were in a class. So that's what we're talking about today. Yeah, that, w- that was my question is like, you know, you've got three months in a class. Like, how can, how can two weeks compare to three months? Time? Uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, uh, so good question, Michael. Thank you. <laughs> um, so there, there, there's certain ways to do it. Of course, you're, you're going to have to not be shy. That's, that's one really important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going you know, to have to spend most of your time, you're going to have to try to spend most of your time talking to people. And I think, I think on the most basic level, just people don't realize how friendly Japanese people are once you talk to them. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to talk to you, though we're going to talk about a way to get people to talk to you. <laughs> only if they want to right don't force anybody but we're not going to kidnap anyone and and put them in a manga cafe and make them talk to you um but there are ways to get people to talk to you uh more and there are ways for you to talk so of course the first the first most basic way is you just go and talk to people and most people probably aren't going to be able to do that it's going to be a little bit hard a little bit uh shy and uh and i, I would understand why you wouldn't want to do that but you got to get out of your comfort zone a little bit mm-hmm. in a foreign country. Totally. And you're going there for the purpose of, of practicing your Japanese. But uh, before we talk about that, there, there are some things um, that I would recommend before you go. So it's not like you can just start at zero Japanese and then suddenly uh, you show up in Japan and then you're able to learn a whole bunch of Japanese. So you probably would learn a decent amount if you tried really hard. Um, there is some preparation I would recommend. Basically, the more you can do before you go there, uh, the, the more you're going to acquire while you're there. So you can spend a lot of your time while you're at home learning things. And then once you get to Japan, you spend your time acquiring those things that you've learned. So basically using those things um, and then making them, making them your own. So do you mean like uh, putting some knowledge in your brain and then once you get to Japan, you're putting that brain knowledge into practice? Yeah, so, you're, you can, so if you think about... If I, if I say, what's, what's 2 plus 2, Michael? Oh, my God. F- f- four. Okay, so that, that would be an example of something Michael learned, but he hasn't acquired yet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> For most people, that's something everyone's acquired. 2 plus 2 immediately pops in your head is 4. And so that's like, that's like a fluency of um, that piece of knowledge, right? So 1 plus 1, 2. It, it, you don't actually stop and think about it, but it, it pops into your head. So that's acquisition of knowledge. I do know the one plus one. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would. Thank you. But on the other hand, there's, there's other things which you've learned that require thinking. And so like, these are the things that don't come out uh, immediately. They don't, they don't come out fluently, whether it's a language or math or something else. So if, you're, if you like, hear what's 48 plus 62, you can probably figure it out. But it's, you have to stop to turn thinking about everything else. Yeah, yeah, and the wheels start moving. And you have to slowly, okay, dun, 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 dun. Ah, okay, the answer is whatever it is. I couldn't figure it out while yeah. I'm talking. <laughs> because it, it requires my full, full like, concentration and brain power in order to, to do it. It's not something that just pops into my brain. So when we're talking about learning Japanese and acquiring Japanese, you can do a lot of the learning. You can also do a lot of the acquiring, which we could talk about some other time here at home. But you can learn a lot of stuff before you go. And then acquire it by using it uh, while you're in Japan. And being in Japan is an awesome opportunity to turn that learned knowledge into acquired knowledge. And I think, uh, I think that's probably what most people are going to end up doing. So spending time before you go to Japan, uh, there's a lot of things you can do. I think one of the best things you can do is probably spend time learning kanji and vocabulary. Uh, kanji is going to be really helpful because there's a lot of kanji in Japan. It's lots of reading practice in Japan, mm-hmm. all every, over everything. Every sign is just kanji, kanji, kanji. And of course, those kanji aren't just kanji, they make up words. And so the more words you have, the more, um, the more you're going to be able to practice while you're in Japan. And learning words in the right order is important, too. So you have to think about frequency. There's like, a, you know, not all words are created equally. There's about 1,000 words that make up 80, 90% of m- the language that you're going to hear in any given like is that the par- conversation Pareto principle or something like that? It's like yeah. 80% of something right, right. is 20% of... That's when Mr. Pareto found out that 20% of his peas plants were making 80% of the peas. That's what it was, yeah. Yep. 
and so yeah, that that it's not quite that ratio, but it's very close. Um, there are just a small group of words that vocabulary words that make up, you know, eighty ninety percent of what is used in day to day life. And so you don't have to learn thousands and thousands of words. Even if you learn five hundred words, the five hundred correct common words or most frequent words, you're going to be able to uh, understand a large part of what you're hearing or read a large part of what you're reading. Does that principle also apply to grammar? Um, that's a good question. Grammar, I think, is a little bit different. Grammar, which we can, we can talk about in a little bit, it's more, there are, there are more frequent grammar. and maybe definitely particles, I, maybe particles. 20% of particles that are used. You know, this isn't something that I've actually, like, gone in and studied and tried to figure out, which would be really interesting to do. Um, there's definitely some sort of uh, frequency going on with grammar, but I think more importantly, there's an order that grammar needs to be learned in. Hmm. Um, and that, that order is such that if you want to acquire certain grammar, you have to learn, uh, you have to learn it in order. So, so let's say you're learning causative form, which is actually near the very end of this ordering. Um, and a lot of people in Japanese class, they learn causative form. And it's very difficult and confusing for almost everybody. And a lot of the reason behind that is because they haven't learned the things that, the grammar that comes before it in the right order. So they're, they've learned, or they haven't acquired it, excuse me, but they've learned causative and they can do it if they think about it, kind of like that 48 plus 62 uh, math equation. I don't even know if that's an equation. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. That simple addition. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so they've learned it, but they haven't, they, aren't, they haven't been able to acquire it, and they can't acquire it until everything before it falls into place. And I think that's a lot of the reason why people, when they're learning languages, uh, even Japanese, they hit these plateaus. And so they feel like they're not improving for a really long time. And the reason is because they've learned a whole bunch of different grammar, but they haven't, they haven't acquired, like, two or three pieces of grammar that come before all the grammar they've learned that, re- that is required for them to be able to acquire all this other learned grammar. And so, so it's it, like there's some gaps in their knowledge that is keeping, keeping the puzzle from being complete yeah, in and, their brain. And once it gets together, it, it, all, it all comes together. Yeah. Um, so I think there's that going on with grammar more than frequency, but I, there's definitely frequency mm-hmm. stuff going on there as well. Yeah. And that, that reminds me of an article that you wrote, I think maybe a year or two years ago, about uh, doing things that are plus one above your mm-hmm. diff- your ability level, you totally. know, like if you're you know just starting out, you need to learn things that are the most frequently used or things that are at your level, not like maybe the particle monono, which we just wrote yeah. an article about. Uh-huh. But that's for advanced learners. So totally, that's a great article. But if you go read it and you're beginning Japanese, it'll be interesting, but you won't. It'll be way above your ability level, and you need something that's just a step above. And in theory, you could learn it, mm-hmm. but you're not going to like internalize it. You're not going to be able yeah. to just use it naturally or mm-hmm. fluently. Um, but if you think about it, you'll probably be able to use it. Um, but yeah, so uh, learning vocabulary, learning kanji. Uh, and I think grammar is a little bit less important, but yeah, some basic grammar would be good just, just for this exercise of going to Japan to learn Japanese. Um, I think if you learn a lot of vocabulary before you go, you know, you can communicate about anything so Mm -hmm. even if you don't have the uh, ability to say like where is the hotel like a whole complete sentence you could say like hotel where and the name of hotel and Mm -hmm. people will understand what you're saying even without grammar you're just saying vocabulary words um like if you're if you're uh if your eyeball fell out you could say like i eyeball uh no no eyeball and then they'd be like oh you, you have no eyeball that's I get it. Um, instead you could of saying, also point like, to your face. At yeah, that point. you could. Yeah. So, but but the point is, you can learn. You have to learn a lot of vocabulary in order to communicate first. And that's not. I mean, you're going to learn vocabulary while you're there. But the more vocabulary you know, the more uh, you're going to be able to learn and internalize while you're there, like grammar and things like that. Because you're going to be able to use that grammar constantly. Uh, whereas when you're not in Japan, you don't have that opportunity to use uh, grammar. Yeah, and that's kind of also how babies do it. Not, I mm-hmm. think it's kind of. I don't like the the kind of uh, position that people take, like, you know, learn like a baby. But, but but there is a certain thing when you learn a new language, you have to go backwards and learn a new culture. You have to learn to be like, okay, I'm kind of starting over in some cases. I'm going to have to say eyeball, eyeball, no. 
and I'm going to sound a little dumb for a while. And you know what? Babies sound dumb, but they don't care because they're babies. It's harder <laughs> when you're an adult because you care too much. So don't care about sounding dumb. Yeah. And I also don't like all those resources that are like, learn like a baby. Yeah, those aren't good. Um, they're kind of right, but they're not doing it right. Like, you should learn like an adult because adults actually have the capability, if done right, to learn a lot faster than babies. Yes. But you should learn in the order that a baby learns in. That's actually pretty right. good. Yeah, that's what I'm um, getting at. And then figuring out what that order is, that, that takes a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Um, and that's, that's kind of like what, that's kind of what we're doing with, the, or that, that's exactly what we're doing with Eto Eto is we've, we've figured out that, what that order is and then we're uh, applying that to like better ways of learning that that adults can use so that it doesn't take you, you know, three years to be able to use full sentences like babies. You know, you can do it. And if you really want to learn days. like a baby, you have to just hire an Okachan to follow you around and talk to you and mm-hmm. do everything for you while you get your motor skills. Go and... to that maid cafe that <laughs> they all act like your mothers. Yeah. Um, you could do that you in could. this, in this scenario, actually. Um, so yeah. So anyways, first vocabulary, kanji, uh, don't want to toot my own horn too much more, but Wani Kani is an awesome way to do that. You can, you know, if you spend three months using Wani Kani, it's going to cost you $30 at $10 a month. It's barely anything compared to a class. And if you go at about the fastest speed, I think you're going to get, oh gosh, I have to think about this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, probably about a thousand vocabulary words and then about 300 kanji. That's pretty good. And it's it's ordered in a way that, like, you know, it's it's also ordered by frequency of kanji um, partially, but it's it's mostly ordered so that it can get you to 2,000 kanji as fast as possible. But uh, all the words you learn, they're going to be very useful for when you're in Japan. The kanji is going to be useful for when you're in Japan. Uh, we have people who use it, and then they, you know, they come back. Even after three months, their reading comprehension has gone up uh, just, like, so much more than, like, the, the years and years of classes that they took. And, you know, of course, it depends on the person, but... Um, for thirty dollars for three months, you're going to be able to learn uh, a lot more, a lot more kanji and vocabulary than uh, a lot of other methods. But yeah. if you can do it on your own, that's that's great too. Uh, so I would recommend that. Um, so let's say, okay, you've learned. I don't, I don't want to set a minimum on this. I think you should go to Japan as often as you can if you want to study Japanese. But let's say you know you've learned uh, a thousand words, you've learned about three hundred kanji. And that's going to, you know, that's, I think that covers about, so I need to look at the stats, but it's about 70% of what you see mm-hmm. normally, even with just 300 kanji, 400 kanji, something like that. Um, you go to Japan, you arrive, you, you buy your tickets, You're you there. arrive, you hopefully have a hotel or a capsule hotel waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what do you, what do you do next? Right? So you could treat it like a vacation. That's fine. You're still going to learn Japanese and you're going to be able to see things. And have fun. Uh, if you wanted to be really serious about uh, studying Japanese and using your Japanese as much as possible, what I would almost recommend, and I've, I've experimented with this before and it works pretty well, is uh, get on the, so the Yamanote line, you know that one? It goes in a mm-hmm. big circle. Yeah. And you can just sit on that train forever if you want. And there's all kinds of cool jingles that happen at every station. Every station, yep. yeah. Um, though it, it is a very busy line, so mm-hmm. if you pick a less busy time, it might be better. What I recommend is making a sign for yourself, like one that you wear around your neck that mm. says, I'm learning Japanese, and I'd like to practice Japanese. Please mm-hmm. speak with me. Yeah. And if you do that, that, like, that gives permission to other people. It, mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it makes it so people don't feel so weird about just talking to a stranger. Though that being said, if you don't look Japanese, people are much more likely to talk to you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have experience with that. Yes. Um, people want to practice their English, but that's mm-hmm. another problem in and, in and of itself. Right, yeah. Um, though some people will speak Japanese just like out of curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would recommend wearing a sign that says you're studying Japanese and that you want people to talk to you. And if you do this, a lot more people will actually talk to you. Um, yeah, that's such a good idea. I'd never, never thought of that. And I had like, you know, when I was younger and, and not afraid and not of society, mm-hmm. um, I would, I talk to people in Those Japan. Days. And, yeah. <laughs> Um, I would just be like, hi, konnichiwa. And I just like try my Japanese out and some people wouldn't like it and some people would. And I'd learn some stuff that way, but it was kind of like, you know, 50, 50 hit or miss. But yeah, with the sign, you're just like, Hey, it's up to you. I'm not going to weird you out. I'm just sitting here. You can be, I'm the weird guy. You can come talk to me. Mm-hmm. Totally. totally. Mm-hmm. And you'd be surprised at how many people will talk to you. Right. For me, it's mostly old people for some reason. I'm like yeah. an elderly person magnet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people will come talk to you, and then uh, they'll they'll help you with your Japanese. You practice, 
Um, and uh, it's good. If you're just on a train, that's a pretty good place to do it because people mm-hmm. are usually bored. Um, they're just hanging around and there's a lot of people around and they're not, they're not trying to get somewhere really quickly, mm-hmm. which is often the case most other places. Um, if you can get on a longer line that's a little bit um, less, uh, less crowded, you, you might have a little bit more success. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> this is, this is kind of bad, but you could buy a ticket uh, to just like one station away mm-hmm. and then you just get on a straight line and you go someplace far away yeah. and you get off the train and then you just get in the other train going back in the other direction. Yeah. And then you get off at that station. That's one station away and use your ticket. And mm-hmm. really you've ridden a long ways. You just never left the station. Right. Um, so there's, I mean, no need to spend a lot. Legally, that's fine. I, I don't know if it is, but yeah, certainly no one would notice. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's some, there's, uh, or, or you can get off. Like there's some very nice places that are like two hours away from Tokyo mm-hmm. that, are, that are awesome to visit. Um, and then wear your sign, your weird little sign that says, speak, please speak Japanese to me. And, and, you know, you can talk to people. Uh, other good times are like when school gets out, like students are much, much more open to talking to random people. They think it's fun, especially like a big group of students. They feel a lot more confident Mm -hmm. and they don't want to be like the shy, not cool kids. So like, if you go talk to a bunch of Yankee high schoolers, they're like, you know, oh, they're, yeah. they're usually pretty cool. They're, they're very outgoing. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to feel too weird about just like being like, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. And then you can, you know, just use some crazy Japanese and they'll think it's the funniest thing in the world and you can talk to them and, and that's, that's a lot of fun. Um, otherwise, I have a lot of, like I said before, I have a lot of luck with the elderly for some reason. That might just be me, mm-hmm. but old people tend to be a lot more outgoing and don't care about this kind of like about being quiet and yeah they're in the they're in the golden years they're like (laughs) you know i'm gonna do what i want i'm gonna talk to talk to strangers Mm -hmm. exactly i'm an old person um you could scold someone for sitting down in the uh in the handicapped pregnant spot yeah on the train say hey you don't look pregnant get Mm -hmm. out of that seat exactly and then strike up a conversation that way yeah make friends but like through scolding yeah. But during the day, like trains are absolutely awesome for, for conversation practice and talking to people. Yeah. Another good thing sign. about the train mm-hmm. that you mentioned, uh, there's less pressure than like if you sit on a park bench to mm-hmm. be like, hey, sit down, like take some time out of your day and sit down next to me, someone you don't know. But, you know, on the train, everyone's going somewhere and there's always an out. Like everyone's getting off at some mm-hmm. point, so you can be riding the train, and if someone's like, "Um, I want to go," I can go. Yeah, and they but can at go a, out at the a door park- and then go into the next train car. Yeah, so that they're they're not next to you. Exactly. So they so they have an out. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise at a bench, they're just like, "How do I? How do I end this conversation?" Totally. Yeah, yeah. Train. That's a great idea. Yeah, I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that's like that's my big one. I thought I thought that was fun, uh, and I've I've done that before, and it works pretty good. Sometimes people won't talk to you right away but usually you'll get people who come up and talk to you if it's not like completely packed Mm -hmm. and crowded um the other suggestion i was gonna have is sit in a park but like like you said people feel a little less a little less comfortable about it and also people don't tend to stop as much i've Mm -hmm. noticed yeah it's not a bad idea but i just feel like the train it's easier for people just just wear your sign all the time like Mm -hmm. honestly that's the way to do it like you go into restaurants people will hang out with you Mm -hmm. you can even put it like you go eat at a restaurant put up a sign like hey sit with me um, I'm practicing Japanese. Come eat with me. If you're alone, we'll talk. Yeah. And some people, some people will be cool with that. Yeah. Um, so that's one way and that, that works pretty good for conversation. Um, another way is, uh, if you're of legal age in Japan, which is about 12, I think for alcohol, <laughs> um, it's actually 20, but I don't think anybody cares. Uh-huh. Uh, going to, Going to, uh, 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 oh my gosh. A public house? Uh, a bar? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, going to a bar. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking uh-huh. for. Going to a bar uh, is, is, is usually pretty good. Like if you can go to like, there's, there's like drinking districts and they have like these, all these like really small bars that sit about five people, six mm-hmm. people, something like that. And there's a bunch of different districts like this in Tokyo and all over Japan. If you go to one of these places and sit down, like people they always talk with each other. Like mm-hmm. they have a great time. They talk with each other. They, they've been drinking of course. And so their, their inhibitions are gone. Um, and then the, the owner will talk to you cause he just hangs out and waits for you to order. Mm-hmm. 
and uh like these uh these are these are really good ways to uh get more speaking practice especially at night and this can go from like you know 6 p.m until 6 a.m right yeah it's 12 hours of practice it's 12 hours of practice and how much practice are you getting in your classroom you know um of course one thing about that is with drinking after about one and a half drinks you're ability to learn goes down mm-hmm. um but also at about one and a half drinks your inhibitions go down so it's like this balance of not drinking too much so that you can actually retain some of the stuff you've learned um and this was actually a scientific study too this isn't just i believe like, so yeah yeah it was uh university of michigan in the 70s i think did mm. this so yeah it's 1.5 drinks gets your inhibitions down but your brain is still working well enough to get all that language and, you know, not be too inaccurate. So totally. So yeah, if you're going to be drinking from 6 PM to 6 AM nurse that one and a half drinks Mm -hmm. really slow. Or just, you know, like you, usually you uh, lose about one drink per hour, right? So, okay. Yeah. Just drink, try to drink one and a half, one drink per hour or so after you drink the one and a half. That's good. That's 12 drinks. That is 12 drinks. That's enough. That's enough for me. Uh huh. (laughs) But yeah, these uh, these these kind of places are really good. Um, uh, if you want to want to imagine it, think of the uh, series Midnight Diner. Mm-hmm. Um, places like that, basically, and so like they just seat a few people. It's just one guy running it, or one lady running it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and just everyone talks to each other. They have a good time. They hang out, and it's it's really it's just it's it's hard not to talk to someone at one of these places, right? Um, so those are great. Uh, another thing you can do is of course, just talk to people, uh, just get over being shy. Mm-hmm. I think you'll be surprised at how, how friendly Japanese people are. Like I said before, mm-hmm. like Japanese people don't want to talk to you and I'm talking in gen- genera- generalities. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Yeah. We're talking in generalities here. Um, they don't want to talk to you, but if you talk to someone else, then they suddenly become more open and friendly and and we'll at least reciprocate as long you know, just give them a way out just in case they're really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And you're like the scary, you know, foreigner who's who's just like, hey, let's practice Japanese. Yeah. And if you just think of like, you know, if you see someone random and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, they look like a really cool person. Oh, I won't go talk to them because, you know, that's societal norms. But if that person came and talked to you, you'd be like, oh, hi, how's it going? Yeah. Unless yeah, exactly. you're weird or scary, then you'd want to leave. <laughs> yeah. I love it when people talk to me, but I have a hard time going and talking to, to random people. But, like, it's just that whole dynamic. Um, yeah, you can just go talk to people. Uh, just one thing to note, and I, I see this all the time in, like, comments and blog posts and Reddit posts and things like that, where people are like, oh, and then she she gave, she gave said, oh, you should contact me. We'll hang out later. Japanese people say that and they don't really mean it usually. So mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> if you just randomly meet someone, maybe they do and you yeah. can try, but you might not get a response. Yeah. So don't that's feel just bad. Part of the culture. Yeah. And you know, I'm from the Southern United States, mm-hmm. North Carolina. It's the very, it's the exact same thing. You guys are known for that so much. Yeah. It's, it's like Southern hospitality. They're like, Oh, come over to my house sometime. Oh yeah. Let's meet up sometime. And it'll probably happen in a couple of years, but nobody yeah. really oh. means to do it like that day. I didn't actually know that. That's yeah. cool. <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, you can just talk to random people. One, like, there's some, there are some pe- random people that are pretty good to talk to. Uh, for example, there's this, there's people out on the streets who are like, "Hey, come to my restaurant," or mm-hmm. "Hey, come to my my gray era, area barely legal prostitution ring." Yeah, and or like, you know, or what what are those what are those cafes called that like the the Uber executives got in trouble for going to in Korea? Uh, uh, is that where they pretend to be babies? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> Anyways, all all those all those like nightlife terrible places. Um, there's people out in the streets who are like, "Hey, you wanna you wanna come in and hang out with some ladies?" and and it doesn't seem to matter who mm-hmm. you are, or or yeah. if you're a lady, then they're like, "Hey, you wanna come up and hang out with some some cute men?" Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have to go up there. I, yeah, I never would. I think that's a terrible idea. But yeah. those they, those people will talk to you for a long time. Yeah. I found it's mm-hmm. the people out there trying to get you to go up there. You just have to like. You can practice giving excuses, practice asking questions about it, and they'll just talk to you and talk to you and talk to you because their job is to try to get you to go up. Yeah. And, and we should put a disclaimer that if for some reason you are persuaded to go up, that's, everything's that's on you. really, yeah, that's not our thing Mm-mm. because the whole point of that place is like you get to talk to someone handsome or beautiful or whatever, mm-hmm. so the drinks are way more expensive. Very, very expensive. Or they give you little tiny Vienna sausages mm. as a service, and those... <laughs> 
get tacked onto your bill for like fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not if not, it's a, not cheap and probably not moral. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, but you can talk to the people outside for a long, 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 long mm-hmm. time. I found, and and they're they're often really fun to talk to because they're just like these ridiculous people. Yeah, um, you can talk to them. There's also people trying to get you into their restaurants. You can ask questions about the food. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, and then you don't have to feel weird about going to a restaurant. No one's gonna mm-hmm. charge you fifty dollars for little wieners. Yeah, and they're gonna try to get you up there, but they're they're being rejected all night long. You have to trust me on this. And then at the end, you can just say no, no, and walk away. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. No one will know. And you just walk about 10 feet and you talk to the next person. Yeah. It's just, uh, they're really, well, the other person so. watches and like, I thought you were my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they so won't it's, care. It's a great opportunity to practice talking. Um, and they're going to want to try to get you to understand because they want to sell you something. Just, mm-hmm. just don't, don't fall for it unless, unless you want to fall for it, then that's up to you. Um, so those people are really good to talk to you. Uh, you can talk to police officers. They're, yeah, yeah, police officers. They're pretty are friendly. Easy to talk to. Usually, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know what you talk to a police officer about, yeah. but oh, you ask for directions. Yeah, directions. They, that's like say. half their job is to give directions. Mm-hmm. So you just go talk to them, ask yeah. for directions, practice getting directions. Um, that's a great. That's a great practice. It's a very useful thing. You'd be like, "Where's the nearest company?" Mm-hmm. And then they send you on your way and see if you can find it. You know, things like yeah. that. And then if you can't, then or if you find another police box, you go talk to that one, ask for another thing, and yeah. And you can, you can just go do that in all and say, long. where's the nearest police box that's not this one? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just police box hop the whole night. <laughs> that's that's a good night. Yeah. I think I think that was one of the deleted scenes from Lost in Translation, actually. Yeah. Um, Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson <laughs> wanted to practice their Japanese. Exactly. So went to all the police boxes. They realized it, it's a better use of their time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of people you can talk to, just random people that you don't have to feel super weird about. Like, it's totally normal to talk to them. Um, I would say hotels, but most hotels, they can speak some English. Mm-hmm. A lot of the hotels can. Um, so that doesn't work too well. Um, you can go to convenience stores and ask for things mm-hmm. that, and don't buy anything. Uh, people do that a lot. It seems like yeah. even if you're not practicing your Japanese or do buy things, cause there's a lot of good things. There, in there is a lot of good things in there. Yeah. Go in there and practice your, your kanji knowledge that you have and, and acquire some kanji that you've learned. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's just so much you can do. It's just like a constant like it's it's like a flood of knowledge that's coming at you. As long as you let it be. You know, like if you don't hold yourself away inside your hotel room, mm-hmm. uh if you don't like, you know, you don't push yourself to talk to people and get out there and just constantly use your Japanese. And the reason that this like constant use of Japanese is good, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, there's there's kind of an ordering to acquiring grammar. And you're only going to be able to acquire grammar in basically in this order. And if you don't know what this order is, if you don't know what the secret sauce is, uh, you're the, the second best way to acquire grammar in this right order is just to just, you know, overwhelm yourself with grammar. Yeah, it's like, take a grammar shower. Yeah. It's like if you, if you, um, if you have to fill like one hole in a board with a marble, you could try dropping one marble at a time, like every every once a day, try to get this marble in that hole, mm-hmm. or you could just get like a thousand marbles and just drop it on the board, and mm-hmm. probably one of them will go in the hole. Yeah, right. And that's that's what what learning a language like while being somewhere actually does. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you know, you're gonna drop a hundred marbles at once in this in this one hour that you're in Japan, and you're gonna lose ninety nine marbles. So you're not gonna acquire ninety nine of those hundred things, mm-hmm. but you're gonna get that one thing that you need to get in order to move on to the next marble hole. Right. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. And plus those, those marbles you're talking about, those are like all experiences mm-hmm. and, you know, experiences make things stickier, you know, mm-hmm. than, I mean, you know, some really great textbooks out there, they can make things sticky and make things memorable, yeah. but definitely like you remembering or like forgetting something and someone reminding you making mistakes and you have a story cause you're out with your friend Shuhei and he's so funny, <laughs> you know, Shuhei. yeah, good old Shuhei. Yeah. You know, that, that kind that, of stuff really helps it stick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And yeah, it's even better if you have a friend too. Like that's like, you can visit a friend. If you don't have a friend, it's fine too. And that's what we're mostly mm-hmm. focusing on yeah. right now, but be you, making friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But if you already have a friend, that's, that's great. You have someone to visit. It's fun. Um, yeah, so you're you're basically just dropping hundreds of marbles over and over and over again instead of this like cla- this classroom setup where you're just, you know, trying to drop one marble into a hole once a day or you know, once a week or something like that. It's a very very slow process. 
Um, and it kind of follows along the lines of that the other article I wrote about making the most mistakes. Yes, to, uh, also a great article. Yeah, to uh, to learn. Like it's 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 not it's not how efficient and how perfect you are when you're learning a language. That doesn't progress you very fast. If you if you do believe that there is a certain order that you have to go in in order to acquire it, the best way to do it is to just make a lot of mistakes to get as mm-hmm. much input as you can, and then hope that some of it sticks rather yeah. than just taking a little bit of input, trying to make it as perfect possible. And then it doesn't stick anyways. Yeah. Right. And I'm definitely one of those people that's just like, I know that's true. And I, I've had many experiences where when I'm making mistakes, I'm learning a lot and I'm like, Oh, I'm so glad I did that. But I still have trouble like getting to that mistake part. So if you're one of those people, it's okay. Just do it. Don't be like me. Yeah, make, it, make it a game. Like try, yeah. to, try to keep track of how many mistakes you make and try to make 100 mistakes a day. Right. If yeah. you're able to make 100 Japanese language mistakes a day, I guarantee you're learning you know, 100 times more than the person who's just study, trying to study one grammar point mm-hmm. perfectly yeah, and yeah. trying to get it good. Um, That's me with my little textbook. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So my, Michael knows. Michael yeah. knows. But then I take it and I eventually do make mistakes. Good. Good. I just need to make more. Yeah, everyone needs to be just okay with making mistakes. Nobody actually cares. No one's going to see you again. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's this thing about like, like we're, we're old, old, old humans like thousands and thousands of years ago where, where we evolved to be like really into pleasing the people around us because if we don't make the people in our tribe happy, then they're going to kick us out and we're going to die, right? Mm-hmm. And so like that's not making a mistake is kind of part of that, being afraid of making a mistake. Even though like really in this day and age, like, if you do something wrong or make a mistake, nothing really happens. Mm-hmm. Like no one's going to kick you out of the tribe. Yeah, if you get kicked out of the tribe, then you, you know you you're you're not really part of a tribe. You're part of this tribe that is like the whole world basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's not it's not necessary for survival to be a part of this tribe anymore. Um, but it's still built into our evolutionary structure. Um, Damn Darwin, he did this to us. I know. He just he waved his magic wand and made evolution happen. His wizard wand, and he. He turned us into these these apes. Um, <laughs> he made the apes of all. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> With magic. With magic, exactly. He was the first wizard. Um, yeah, so go out there. You know, just try try to get over over what is, like, your humanity and, and go ahead and make as many mistakes as you can and embarrass yourself. And I guarantee you're going to learn so much more than if you were careful or you tried to be perfect. Like neither of those things actually help that much with, with language learning mm-hmm. or any kind of learning, to be honest. Um, where were we before that tangent? So I wanted to jump in real quick uh, on this point. Mm-hmm. If people are debating whether or not this is going to work, because they might be like, oh, man, I, sh- I really I think classroom sounds better than going to Japan. Now, recently, this past fall, my wife and I went to Japan for vacation, not to do like the studying things that Koichi is talking about. Um, But still, even in the vacation mode where I wasn't actively trying to study Japanese, I didn't wear a sign. I went around, I did touristy things, I ate food, I met met with friends. I still ended up by like the, the, by the end of the first week, I was surprised by how all that pent up like perfection study knowledge that I'd done was starting to like come out and starting to become uh, more concrete. And then by the time I was done with the whole vacation and we came back and I talked to Japanese friends here in the U.S., that still was I still had kind of a a fluency wave going on where I that the fear was kind of gone. I I felt more fluent. I felt more uh, more able to talk. And and that was without even trying. So if you go to Japan and then do all these things that Koichi's talking about. I can't imagine how much more, because this, this was without even trying. I was just using Japanese I knew, talking to friends, doing, just kind of doing touristy vacation stuff. But if you go there and you're like, I'm going to talk to everyone, I'm going to do all these things that Koichi's talking about, it's, I, I feel like it's definitely going to work for you. Yeah, and uh, you know, even though you are, I think, going for just learning or just practicing your Japanese language, uh, I think some people might try to argue like, you know, of course, going on normal vacation, that's a lot of fun. But uh, also, if you go to learn language, it doesn't have to not be fun. I think 
at least for me, all my most vivid memories, all my favorite memories when I travel is always, it always comes down to like uh, the people that I talk to. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, you know, you go on vacation, you're going to have a lot more input and you have to be, you're in your force to do a lot more output and it's, it's really good. Um, and, and it's probably fun too. Uh, one, one thing I think people might be concerned about, like you could, you can either go on a vacation and, you know, have your vacation fun. Uh, or you can go and learn um, Japanese language or study Japanese language. And, you know, it's not really black and white. You can do both, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you do just do the Japanese language part and you just focus on using as much Japanese as possible, I think that can still be a lot of fun, too. Like, when I think about my vacations or just, just a lot of my memories, like, all my most vivid memories, all my best memories, it always, it always comes down to, like, spending time with a person. And that might be a person that I don't know who... It's just like so ridiculous and fun that I just remember it forever. Or it might be, you know, someone that I do become friends with or someone I am friends with that, um, you know, I've spent time with. And it's it's not like the things like like going and seeing a temple. Mm-hmm. I vaguely remember it, mm-hmm. but it's not like I can, you know, turn around and, and tell a, a story about it that I, you know, that I remember. Yeah. It's just like I saw it. It was cool. And that's it. But like if I have an experience there with another person. Like then it's a, then it becomes a story. Then it becomes like a really cool memory. Right. Yeah. And and definitely things like you know arcades and shopping and stuff like that. All that all that is very fun. I won't pretend mm-hmm. it's not fun. But definitely the most meaningful things are people that you meet and getting to speak with them in their language uh, is is extra meaningful. Yeah. And this lets you do that a lot if you do it mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah, so kind of on that note, I guess we can we can wrap up. Um, there's there's I'm sure there's a lot more things that you can do. Uh, you know, if you if you have those things, send them to us. Let us know. We'll we'll share them mm-hmm. on our Twitter, which is Tofugu T O F U G U, um, or you can Facebook share it to us. is Facebook. slash Tofugu blog. Yep, because that that darn person somebody <laughs> took the name some, something the tofu. I forget what it is. Tofu yeah. the tofu or something mm-hmm. took it. Uh, or, or, you know, on, uh, if you leave a review on iTunes, you can let us know what your favorite ways are Mm -hmm. as well. While you also, you know, tell us really nice things. Um, but yeah, so like going back to all this, back to the beginning, you know, you could spend $3,000 on a class or you could go to Japan for probably two weeks and, uh, you know, spend an extra $30 on self-study resources for before you go. And you're going to spend about the same amount of money, but I think in the end, I think you're going to come away with a lot more acquired knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be able to learn, like, in a literal sense, you might be able to learn more in a class, but you're not going to be able to use that knowledge. You're not going to be able to, like, just fluently, you know, poop it out of your mouth, so mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. Um, and I think when it comes to language, that's that's really is the goal. That's what you want to do. You want to be able to fluently speak. And that, that, that doesn't mean like you're fluent in Japanese, but the things that you know and can use, they should be fluent. They, you mm-hmm. should be able to make them fluent by, you know, going to Japan and by using them there. Um, of course, there's ways to like artificially do this outside of Japan. Uh, we could talk about that at another time. But really, in the end, spending 24 hours a day in a country that speaks the language you're trying to learn that's going to get you the farthest, the fastest. And I think even two weeks in Japan is worth more than three months in a classroom. Definitely. Uh, and it's, you know, you're not going to dread going. It's, it's not going to be like class. You're like, oh, I have to go again. Oh, mm-hmm. I have to do my homework. It's like, it's actually fun. It's a human experience, you know? Yeah. Plus your teacher is not going to cook you amazing, amazing okonomiyaki or ramen. Exactly. Oh, that, that reminds me. Just one more, one more suggestion. If you have a little bit more money, there's, uh, you know, for all us, all you millennials, all us millennials, damn. Um, <laughs> there's, like, there's a lot more websites and, and services that have to do with experiences. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of just like random normal people, um, like on, I think on Airbnb, even they have experiences now. There's like, uh, there's websites that just focus on experiences, like go to an Obachan's house and cook okonomiyaki with her. Or, like, I'm going to take you around Harajuku, and it's just, like, some random person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not too expensive, usually. And uh, you, can, you can use those services, and you can use those to meet more people and just practice speaking more Japanese while getting those other experiences. Or, like, while going to someone's house and, like, cooking dinner or while going, getting toured around local areas. And there's a lot of things like that now that weren't around five years ago that 
Yeah. Would and really help Japanese language. Those situations have always been the ones where I felt I got the best Japanese practice, where I'm not, for lack of a better word, trapped, but, you know, I'm just with a person and we are together and we, and there's no English available. It's like, it's Japanese or nothing. And mm-hmm. I walked around with like Kyoto for a day with a guy uh, and spoke Japanese. And this most recent trip, I sat down with my former boss and talked with him. He doesn't speak any English. So like having is like, you know, Japanese is the only, only option and you want to talk to this person. And that's where I got like the most gains. Yeah. You're going to figure it out mm-hmm. one way or another. Right. You might have to go a roundabout way or you might have to start out simple, but mm-hmm. that's like that's like those plus ones. If you start out simple and slowly work your way up plus one plus one to the thing mm-hmm. you actually want to say and you figure it out together, then it, it becomes your your knowledge. It becomes you. Yeah. And when you're struggling for that word and then you're working oh, yeah. with someone else, you know, the struggle helps you remember. It does. Um, that's but also, also a scientific thing. Yeah. And then the the person like you both figure it out together, and you're like, "That's the word I'm looking for." Now you now that like totally sticks in your mind. It's like this is the time I learned that word, or you know, usually in those situations, it'll be this is the time I learned 15 words exactly. that I didn't know that I was struggling for with this person. Totally, totally. And and that's this funny you say 15 words. Like I I would say like in terms of the number of words you might learn in a day, even in Japan, it might not be that many. It might be around 15 mm-hmm. words that you learn in a day. Because we can only, like, you know, acquire so many vocabulary words a day. Mm-hmm. It's not that many, but, I mean, if you think about it, like, you spend two weeks in Japan, that's 14 days, times 15, whatever that number is. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. We're going to skip ahead here. Skip ahead. You're going to learn about 210 words over your over your two-week period. And, like, you know, that doesn't feel like a lot, but if, if our goal is to learn a 1,000 words... Mm-hmm. And if you can communicate pretty well with a thousand words, then two hundred and ten words that's that's already you know over over twenty percent of what mm-hmm. you need to do, and that it's only took chunk. you two weeks right and people spend a lot they spend a long time learning a thousand words i think mm-hmm. in normal classroom situations where like yeah, you might get assigned like twenty words to learn tonight, but you're going to learn them just enough to get that that check mark on your quiz, yeah, and then you're going to forget it mm-hmm. right you'll take the test and then it's over and we're talking about twenty words you've acquired, which is a lot. A lot more meaningful than words you've learned too, mm-hmm. and so that's it. Doesn't seem like a lot, but it it really is a lot more useful and a lot. You get a lot more out of it than if you just went to a classroom. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so I don't know. My suggestion is you go to Japan if you want to learn Japanese. If you're you know not everyone has the money to do it, and that you know that's just how it is. But if you're gonna if you were gonna take a class anyways, and you were gonna spend two or three thousand dollars on that class. You know, I hope I hope you consider you know other options because I think you will have better memories. You're gonna have a lot more fun, um, and and then like you know having that two or three months before the trip where you're self studying like that trip it really is a big motivator mm-hmm. for studying really hard and learning more than you probably could in a classroom. Um, yeah, because, because you know you you're, you're putting up the money for it. It's it's exactly. an event. I mean, a classroom can be an event too, but I guess at the yeah. classroom you have an expectation that you will be taught. Right. Whereas, like, you're going on this trip to Japan, you've got to put forth the effort. Mm-hmm. And that's going to motivate you also. Totally. So, yeah. And so I, I think it's a little bit of a controversial position, but I hope that you enjoyed the argument for it. And, and I hope that, uh, that you, you try it out and, and let me know how it goes. And if it goes really badly for you, then I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it won't. It's going to be a great, it'll, great memory. It'll be great. No matter what, it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be super fun. If you have less money, you don't have to stay in a business hotel for 40 bucks a night. Yeah. You know, you can go stay in a manga cafe for like 10 bucks a night or yeah. oh, capsule man. hotel if for like 20 or $30 a night. If you're a cool young person and you can you can do stuff like that, like once, you, once you're old like me, you're like, oh, I got to have a five-star hotel. I got to have a hotel for my bad back. Exactly. That's me. But like, you know, when you're young, like, oh, I mean, actually some hostels are still pretty nice too. Japanese hostels are very nice. Um, I stayed in a few hostels and they were like, this is basically a hotel, but for like $10 a night. Yeah, there's nice, nice hostels in Japan. It's going to be clean almost all the time. It's going to be pretty safe almost mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. And usually there's like an old man who runs it and he's like, have some eggs. I made you some eggs in this common area. He doesn't speak English, though. I mean, I, I gave a pretty cheap option, but it can be even cheaper if you want it to be. Mm-hmm. You can eat at convenience stores every single day so that you can afford that 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 big, big nighttime. Yeah. 
Bar Big bill. nighttime splurge. Yeah, even even alcohol is pretty cheap in Japan. Yeah, right, when you compare it to a lot of places. And kombini food's pretty good. It is pretty good. So you won't really like. I don't know. I I never really regretted any kombini. Two weeks, you meals. won't get too tired of it. I think. Yeah. I mean, as an old man, I I like my luxury, but mm-hmm. your giros every I, night, my, my <laughs> nightly giro. No, I never got to go to Jiro's. I could tell that story sometime, but I can tell you I watched him go to the bathroom. Really? Uh, yep. Oh, that's for another podcast. That's for another Jiro's, podcast. Jiro goes to the bathroom. Jiro dreams of Koichi not watching him pee. <laughs> <laughs> Were you in the bathroom when he was peeing? Eh, there's only one stall. I had to wait. Okay. Or not one stall. One urinal. I had to wait. I guess I could have used the stall, but. Yeah. I just liked watching Jiro pee. <laughs> and I prefer using a urinal if I can yeah. instead of using a stall. Me too. He was cool. He ignored me. <laughs> His the cool way he ignored you. And I took pictures of him, but not in the bathroom. <laughs> not while he was peeing. Out in a public area, I took pictures of him through a window while he was in the bushes. Looking. No, there's no bushes in the down there. It was from another restaurant. Oh, okay. Another Restaurant with fewer Michelin stars. Oh, only two. Only two. Someday, maybe. Yeah. Jiro, if you're listening, because I know you're a big podcast enthusiast, please give us your sushi. Yeah, Send it. Please. By airmail. And on that note, uh, go to Japan. Practice Japanese. Go, go all out. Go full hog. Whole hog? Whole hog. Top hog? <laughs> is this a bad word, young sound engineer? Well, hog is also a word for some thing. But whole hog, that's not a bad thing. It just means to okay. like, go for it, buster. And please do that. Another place you can go is tofugu.com. Right. For great articles every Tuesday and some Fridays. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we wrote about some of the things that we talked about today in mm-hmm. the past. And uh, definitely, if you enjoyed this podcast or you thought it was helpful, please help us out by giving us a review on iTunes. Um, I hate asking for reviews, but apparently it does help us out a whole bunch. Uh, it really does. And iTunes is like the place where everyone downloads our podcasts. Um, and yeah, so it does. It, it, it makes a big difference to what we do. So we really appreciate it if you would give us a review. And uh, you don't even have to write anything, but you can if you want. Yeah. And after we get enough reviews, we'll probably stop asking at some point. Yeah, so get on that. Go, go whole hog on that. Go on hog that on it. System. Hog it up. Is hog the right? Is that the right way to say? hog. Am I saying that right? Jamal, my our, our producer is is shaking his head. Yes, you are perfectly right. Thank you, Jamal, for your confirmation. Hmm. Uh, well, well. On that awkward note. Good hog, everyone. Hog it up. Thank you.